And we're back to Bourbon Barrel Talk, episode number two. I'm Scott Minton, your host, and the co-host over here today is, again, Toby Hatfield. How are we doing today, Toby? I'm doing well. Good, good, good. Hey, you want to start off today by talking about a little bit about what we're drinking. We got a couple of uh, new bottles we cracked open and uh, wanted to kind of get a little general assessment of what we were doing here. So uh, today I brought over an Amador double barrel, born in Kentucky, finished in Napa Valley. So it's a... California? Yeah, it's actually... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, California, you know, who'd have thought. But anyway, it's basically, uh, it's a it's a... Four-year-old bourbon. Uh, actually, I think it was a six-year-old bourbon. It was finished for two years in a, in a wine barrel. So uh, had some neat undertones and things to that nature. And then the other bottle we're trying today is uh, Old Cavalier, which was uh, you said was made in the Cavalier Hotel in uh, Virginia, correct? Virginia Beach, yeah. Pretty sweet, pretty sweet. It's a nine-year-old aged bourbon. Um, I don't know exactly. It's, it says Old Cavalier. I don't know who the, the company is that actually makes this. I'm guessing Old Cavalier. It's a good possibility. <laughs> Everything, what, everything's owned by Sazerac. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm going to try that here in a minute. I, I'm enjoying the one that you brought. It's uh, got a nice flavor to it. It's not too, not too, uh, too, too hot or anything like that. But it's uh, definitely enjoyable. Good, good, good. The Old Cavalier. It looks like it's about 86 proof. Um, the Amador I know is 90, so uh, both of them are pretty much entry level as far as the, I guess I would say the alcohol content. But uh, both uh, seem to taste pretty good from what I can tell. Pretty uh, nice and mild. Yeah. As far as on the on the heat side. Yeah, my uh, my father actually brought that bottle back from Virginia Beach from the Old Cavalier Hotel. What? Hmm. Didn't you say you've been there before? Yep. Yeah, me and Becky went there when she was in calculus camp uh, a few years ago. Calculus but, camp? <laughs> listen, man. Uh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> listen, uh, I can't help it. My math, my wife is a math teacher. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, uh, this week's episode, we want to talk a little bit about, uh, actually, it's just about as uh, relevant as anything. The, the BTAC collection actually was dropped today from Buffalo Trace. So the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, for those of you who are not aware, um, it is uh, basically five different bourbons that they release every single year at the end of October, early November. Um, one being uh, the Sazerac Rye, 18. The other one being Eagle Rare, 17. Um, then you got the Thomas H. Handy. You have the George T. Stagg and the William LaRue Weller. So it's uh, basically a, a group of bourbons that have been aged for anywhere from, uh, I think it's 15 to 18 years and uh, they are very highly sought after and uh, very hard to get. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about those bourbons today. Have you been able to try any of them? Um, not from this year. Um, last year, I was able to try the Thomas H. Handy, um, the George T. Stagg, and the Eagle Rare 17. All of them were phenomenal. Probably the George T. Stagg is one of my favorite bourbons of all time. I uh, I know a lot of people who are interested in that Eagle Rare 17, but it's not the one that uh, people are raving about. It's It's... It's usually the the Weller, the um, um, the uh, Stag that that people really want. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, typically, uh, when you when you're talking about the BTAC collection, um, they those are generally the two that most people are talking about is the William Larue Weller and the and the George T. Stag. However, I will say there's a little bit more of a buzz this year around the Eagle Rare 17 because they went back to 101 proof. So anybody that drinks Eagle Rare, you know, they know that. Uh, Typically, it sits around 90, but they've let sure. this one go a little hotter. Um, it came out of one of the 
Rickhouse's, um, I can't remember what the review said, but I want to say it was like Rickhouse 56 and it was in the top level. So, uh, had a little extra heat, a little, little bit more stank on it, I guess, as we like to say. The, um, the, the demand on those individual ones are, is, uh, has been bananas. Um, you, you can, you can grab a bottle. None of them are, I think they're all under or right around a hundred, hundred and so 110, 15 retail, but they're all going to go for six, seven, eight hundred dollars on secondary, if not more. Uh, you're probably a little heavy on a couple of those. Um, I think you'll probably see, um, the stag go for probably somewhere around the 400 range. Um, I think the W the WLW, um, will definitely go for probably in the 650 to 700 range. The Eagle rare, I think will go extremely high. And I think the Sazerac will go extremely high. The handy usually stays around four, 420, um, is just the general thing on the secondary market. I will say a buddy of mine was able to pick up six bottles of stag today, which is just unheard of. How do, how do these people find those? <laughs> so this guy literally, I mean, he hit, I guess, every liquor store up and down Preston Highway, Fern Valley Road, all out that way, and he was so, able to pick some up. So they actually just had them out on the shelves. Well, they had them behind the shelves, obviously. Sure. You know, any, any of those high-dollar bourbons are going to be not sitting on the actual shelf shelf, but typically right behind the cash wrap. But, yeah, he was out driving around today, and um, he took a, take a, took advantage of the, the opportunity to get out and do that and picked up quite a few bottles. Um, and uh, I think he said he was um, somewhere in the – 250 range is about what he paid for him and the typical msrp on those things are right around 119 i think uh, yeah. this year so so they're definitely market they're still marking them up at the liquor stores absolutely yeah now now obviously you're not going to see that at total wine or kroger or uh liquor barn you know liquor barn's always a little bit more expensive than sure. the other places but uh for the most part you know your your big national chains are not going to mark them up much above msrp just because they like the relationship that they have with Sazerac mm-hmm. and, and they don't try to, you know, abuse that too much. Now, as far as, you know, local moms and pop stores, things to that nature, you know, a suggested retail price is exactly that. It's a suggested price. And they definitely take advantage of the, the opportunity to be able to mark those up a little bit. Well, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it is supply and demand, right? I mean, in your situation, I guess if you owned a liquor store and you were lucky enough to get a few bottles if you knew that people were going to buy them and then, you know, possibly sell them or buy them and do whatever, you know, you would rather, you know, cut at least some of that market out on them, I guess, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. But I think if I owned a mom and pop store, I would want to build a relationship with the customers and and maybe um, give an opportunity for some of my more loyal customers to be able to go ahead and buy them at retail. So that that brings me up to one of the topics I was going to tie to to this, and and it was kind of a perfect segue, and and we honestly really didn't even talk <laughs> about this, but I've seen uh, liquor stores lately that have kind of like a frequent buyer program, and I, I'm I'm putting that in quotations because uh, we were where was it at? We were in Carrollton, or you know it was Covington, right next to Florence Mall. There was a little, little okay. liquor store we rode into, and uh, we were coming home from a Bengals game, and. We stopped in there, and uh, oddly enough, like literally, there was Weller Twelve, there was Pappy Van Winkle. I mean, they literally had just about anything you could possibly imagine to buy, mm-hmm. but you had to earn credits to buy it. So you had to spend so much money within the liquor store, and then you could buy it for whatever the regular MSRP was be. So after you bought like two thousand dollars worth of bourbon or beer or whatever else, you could then you would then get a ticket to where you could buy one of those bottles at regular price. What do you think about that? Actually, I think that's a great idea. I mean, 
because what what you and I would spend on something, especially if we don't find it from a, a local uh, retail store, we're going to spend more than that. But um, if you think about having a party or you're going over to your buddy's house and you pick up a 12 pack or a 24 pack or, uh, or anything like that, you're going to probably spend that amount of money, especially if you, if you care enough about the bourbon to, um, to do it. And if you, and if you do that, then you're also not going to go want to turn around and sell it. You're going to, you're going to, cause you're invested in, in that liquor store. You're investing in being able to spend all that, that money on things for yourself but then you have the opportunity to get something that you would actually want to put on put on your own shelf. No, I, like I said, I, I kind of agree with you. Like I said, it's one of those weird things that I was shocked whenever I saw that. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I was shocked whenever I saw that and realized what they were doing. And I was like, this is, this is kind of a neat concept. So I, I'm kind of curious if that catches on in our area. Um, I've not seen anybody in the Louisville or Southern Indiana market do that right now. But uh, it's uh, it's definitely got some appeal to it, I think, in some capacity. I, I've heard mixed reviews about it, though. I have had seen some of the people who are like, oh, well, if you're lucky enough and the bottle's there, you should be able to buy it, and I shouldn't be held accountable if I'm just rolling through town to buy bourbon and blah, blah, blah. But uh, the way, to me, it's kind of like getting those gas credits from Kroger. You're, you're using your, you're swiping your cards, you're getting credit, you're, you're getting the gas points because you're, you're a frequent shopper to... Um, to the grocery store and you, you get a discount on gas. It, the difference here is you're going to get an opportunity to buy something you probably wouldn't have an opportunity to buy otherwise. No. Unless you get into a lottery or something, and we've both been in those and sitting outside for, for a few hours and waiting and waiting and waiting, and it doesn't come up. You, you, you can you can be there and you never get your number pulled. Yeah, the, the, the last lottery I went to was um, when they did the bourbon barrel, I mean uh, the birthday bourbon release at uh, Liquor Barn over on Hurstbourne. Had a great time. Got there about, I don't know, maybe 6.30 in the morning. Kind of hung out. We had some mm-hmm. bourbon. One of the guys from the local bourbon club, um, he came over, poured some stuff that I'd never tried before. Like we had some mic drop. That's a company out of mm-hmm. uh, New Jersey. Um, had King of Kentucky. I mean, he had some really nice stuff and had some stuff that mm-hmm. was just kind of, you know, good, solid, you know, drinkers. Midsummer, uh, midwinters, night drum. Have you ever had any of that? I've, I've never even seen it. So a pr- pretty good stuff. He had a nice selection there, but uh, Q's a phenomenal guy. He shows up at all those events, and uh, he's always willing to share, you know, really good top shelf bourbon, and then and then a few little uh, store picks and things like that as uh, those type of events are going on. It's always good to meet somebody like that 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 doesn't mind sharing, and they understand that a lot of this is camaraderie with each other and and hanging out and discussing and talking, and and it just gives you a reason to to meet and. And, and discuss with new people. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I've had such a, a great experience with, uh, going out and meeting other people that drink bourbon, um, whether it be at a bar or at an establishment or a release. And then, um, you know, some of those guys, you know, we, we get talking about what do you have? What do I have? And things like that. And every now and then we'll, we'll, we'll get on a little text thread. And, and before you know it, we've traded one or two bottles to try to help each other get something that maybe the other one doesn't have. Um, and, and I feel like that camaraderie has really um, picked up over the last few years where people are really, really out there to say, Hey man, if you can't get well or 12, I just got two bottles over the last, you know, five or six months, I'll trade you that for, you know, something that would be comparable in value and things to that nature. Sure. Have you been lucky to find, have you found anything other, I, I saw that you had that EH Taylor 
recently. I don't know if you've had any other luck finding uh, some of the more sought-after bourbons. Uh, the, the the heavily sought-after stuff, I, I don't know that I've found anything other than the Amaranth Grain of the Gods. Mm. Um, I, I, I've been really super lucky um, as far as like kind of what I would consider the lower end of the desirable stuff. I mean, I, I've probably got... I've probably gotten anywhere between nine and 11 bottles of Blanton's over the last, you know, three or four months. You drank uh, them all though, right? <laughs> I've, I've drank about four of them. I, I did mule a couple for some friends of mine that were looking for them. Um, one of my really good friends, that is his favorite bourbon. And then um, I bought a couple for clients for Christmas. So it was one of those things where, you know, I feel like you uh, want to make sure that you, you, you kind of treat, treat the people that treat you well, well. Sure. And, What's funny is recently I was looking for a bottle and just reached out to you and you knew a guy that knew a guy and I'm meeting him downtown New Albany just to help a lady at work to pick up a bottle of Blanton's or something like that. It's, it's always, um, it's always good to know enough people where you can get those type of bottles, whether it's well or 12 or something like that. You're always going to find that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well or 12 is one of those ones where, it's becoming harder and harder to find. Um, so I, I find it to be uh, one of those bourbons that you really, really need to, you know, uh, try to figure out a group of buddies to, <laughs> to help you get that bad boy. One of the things that I'm hoping to um, get accomplished on this podcast specifically is to maybe feature a bottle of something that, that can be bought at Kroger or at liquor barn or something today you can go over there to total wine and pick something up is, is there anything on the shelves that you think is a 35 to 50 dollar bottle that that everybody should be trying that for whatever reason it's always available but it's it's certainly worth uh, to, to drive over to pick it up so one of the things you know we're drinking it today you know i i i got this amador as a gift from uh one of the nonprofits i do some charity work for and they uh sent me a bottle of bourbon. I told them I like bourbon. So they're like, here, try this. So I actually thought it was relatively good. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's got a, it's got a mild flavor. Um, you can kind of taste the, the wine in there. I'm not typically a big wine drinker. Um, but it's got some nice sweet undertones and and things to that nature. So, uh, I thought it was actually pretty good. Yeah. One of the ones that, um, that I've tried recently that you don't you you don't hear anything about you don't hear anybody talking about or raving about but I was like this is a very good bottle and it had a great flavor it it, it was it was strong enough but not not overly powerful uh, was uh, Clyde Mays and I went to, it was something we pick up at Myers for thirty five dollars it's a it's a very good bottle um, I think that that people who who want that that Thirty to fifty dollar bottle uh, should definitely try give that a try, and I think they're going to be really happy with it. Absolutely, um, Evan Williams is another one. The single barrel um, for twenty six bucks, you can't go it, wrong there. It literally, it's it's really just not a bad solid drinker. Um, I I find it to be good. Um, also, it's it's also one of those bottles that actually have the dump date on it. So if you're trying to find a bottle that has a special meaning or a special occasion for you, um. It, it, it's something you can look for on the shelf and, and find it and, and drink it. And I think most people would thoroughly enjoy it. What's your most overrated bourbon? Overrated bourbon. That's a really hard one to say. Um, you know, uh, I, if see, the problem is I, I'm really not a huge, um, 
rye fan, and mm. some of the old Carter and, and the Kentucky Owls to me are a little bit overrated. Um, but it's only probably mainly because I really I'm just not a huge rye fan. To me, if if you have a bottle that's two hundred dollars retail, it, it should be fantastic. And I don't think the Kentucky Owl is is worth two hundred dollars in the shelf. I mean, I don't I don't care which which release it was or anything, it's not worth $200. I just don't think it is. Yeah, and I know some people that absolutely love the Kentucky Owl, um, and I'm not knocking it by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, it's one of those things, it's just, it's just really not my cup of tea. It's not my jam. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things out there that you know are and things to that nature, and um, it, it really is. But uh, I'll tell you what, another one um, that some people love, some people hate, and it's a weird thing, is Parker's Heritage. Um, Parker yeah. Bean, when they came out with that that select group, um, some people absolutely love Parker. Some of them hate it. Um, some of the Parkers too, they they'll even finish it like in a weird cask or something like that. The one last year, Parker's Heritage, I think they finished it in a carousel ke- keg or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, myself personally loved it, uh, but I know people that hated it because it had kind of like that's a weird, the one we busted open at your house. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, and it was hot. I mean, it, it you know that was a, that was a nice one and it was good and. Like I said, I, I really enjoyed it, but there was a lot of people that just just did not like the Parkers. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed it. It had a it it had a real chocolatey feel to it. I I, I thought it was a, a really good um, a good flavor, especially one that you just opened up with um, very little time to sit before you um, before we tasted it. Yeah, it didn't have a lot of air to it, yeah. but uh, that that was a definitely a, a really solid bourbon. I felt I felt like on my side, but um, it, it's not everybody's uh, cup of tea. The um, I we I asked Kyle earlier today if he was going to be able to join this podcast and wanted to talk to you and, and, and be on this podcast, and uh, he listened to the first episode, and he uh, he basically said there's no way that he's going to be on a podcast that that says uh, Angels Envies of Bourbon because it's, <laughs> because it's not finished it's finished in a in a like a sherry cask or something like that so well, you, you got like sherry cask they got brandy i mean angels envy does all kinds of different stuff and the angels envy rye i mean some people don't consider that you know but uh, mm-hmm. i i think bourbon's bourbon you know um it, it has to be the 51 percent corn right <laughs> well, but by the rules of bourbon angels envy is a bourbon but right. it's not but what it's not like on this old Cavalier where it says uh, straight con- uh, bourbon whiskey. It right. doesn't say that. It always says something like finished in blank. Yeah. But I actually like Angel's Envy. But that's most of your blended whiskeys anymore or how they've been finished. I mean, Rabbit Hole, they're, they're, they're notorious for most of the stuff that they make right now is something that's blended in a sherry cask or in a mm. brandy cask or things to that nature. Copy and Kings, almost everything they're doing is kind of a, a spinoff of that piece as well. So what what do you want to do next with this podcast? Where do you want to go? Where where do you want to um, visit? So I I think in this aspect, and I've already reached out to a couple of people. I, I think I want to go I want to go live and remote, kind of uh, well, kind of not really live, I guess, but remote as far as getting out, meeting with the people, talking to them. Um, I'm looking at a couple of uh, bourbon bars to where mm-hmm. maybe we can set up and do some things to that nature. Um, and then I'm obviously we're going to bring on a couple of additional co-hosts and and let them host some tastings. Um, up next week, I'm pretty sure I've got a buddy of mine named Matt that's going to come on with us and we'll let you, uh, hang out and, and, uh, listen and see what we're doing. But, uh, he, I, I tell you, I mean, as much as I feel like I know about bourbon, the dude makes me look like a moron. Like I know nothing about bourbon. Um, and his collection is, is pretty phenomenal. 
that's uh, the kind of people you want to hang out with. Absolutely. Have those great collections. And, and, and Matt is also a huge cigar guy. So I know we spoke last episode sure. about, you know, trying to do pairings, you know, what cigar is best with what. And and uh, I, I think he would bring so much to the table in that aspect. So I'm going to I'm gonna kind of prep him for that piece. So that way maybe we can get a little bit of information out on that. Um, but he's uh, his knowledge is just, just it's phenomenal on the bourbon side, in my opinion. I... Uh, I was really hardcore into the bourbon for a while where I would go out to every liquor store that I was driving by and seeing what they had in, the, in, in, on the shelves and going by Costco or, or wherever. Um, and I got to the point where I was kind of burned out of it a little bit. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm spending way too much time and effort looking for a bottle. And, and, and I was lucky enough to get a, uh, um, something here and there. I think I got the Booker's 30th um, at retail at Costco and was able to flip that for a, a bottle of a uh, Lot B. Um, so there was a lot of different things that um, that I spent in time and effort. Do you feel like the time and effort that that you've spent recently has bared a lot of fruit? Um. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, like right now, I guess if I opened up my cabinet um, – I'm probably going to sound like a really selfish son of a gun here, but uh, I think I've got like seven bottles of Antique 107. I've probably got four bottles of Weller 12. Um, I think there's six bottles of Blanton sitting down there. I've got three or four bottles of Stag Jr. I mean, I, and, and I've got Michter's 10. I've got Michter's Toasted. I've got two bottles of Toasted Bourbon. I mean, so I mean, my, my collection's getting pretty stout, you know, and, and, and I'm one of those weird dudes that I don't really like opening more than two bottles at a time. So whatever I'm drinking, I drink until it's gone. And then, sure. and then I crack the next one. So right now I've got my Amador open and I've got a bottle of antique one Oh seven open right now. And those are the two I'm kind of sipping on. What do you think about that antique one Oh seven? I know it's, it's a little hot, but people really like it. I really like the antique one Oh seven. It's a, uh, it's got a great flavor. Um, the antique one Oh seven of today though, versus the antique one Oh seven of like three or four years ago, there's actually a difference. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference is, but it just doesn't quite taste the same as what it did, you know, three years ago. It's a three years ago was a little bit more of a mellow flavor, but it still had that heat and, mm-hmm. and it had a more f- full, robust flavor. Whereas the new one, it just it it doesn't have the same gusto, I guess would be the best way I would say it, um, compared to those older bottles that have the old uh, plastic label. I, I think a lot of times that could be as simple as somebody who works in the uh, works for the company who's deciding which barrels are going to be which bourbon and things like that, that maybe they have a different palate or, or their palate's changed over the years or something like that. Because I know that for a lot of times these, these places use the same person for a long time. And then if they switch, the person's going to have a different palate because every single barrel of uh, Blanton's is picked by someone who says this tastes like Blanton's. Right. And so they definitely could come in and, and, and could be a new person that, that has a different opinion of what Blanton's tastes like. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. Um, I guess the big thing now is anymore with, you know, Antique 107, Blanton's, Eagle Rare, any of those products are, are the sheer number of store picks and uh, private barrel picks that, you know, you see out there. Um, we were talking about new riff last last week, mm. or, and we talked about like the riffy killer, the riff flare, all that type of stuff. Those were all private barrel selections, and a lot of your stores now are that's what they're doing. Like they they put themselves on the list, they're waiting to get their 
barrel so that way they can put their store name on there. This is, you know, barrel seven Rick house X, Y, Z, and then they've got their own thing. And, uh, the cool thing about that is, is you have the opportunity to take, you know, six to 10 people or even 12 people out to the Rick house and they pull a barrel down for you or three or four, and you get to try different ones. And you pick the one you like the best, sign it, and they hold it back to you, hold it back for you, bottle it, and then send it out to you. So it's kind of a unique situation. So in that situation, you're, you're getting a bottle of Blanton's that's kind of tailored to the, to the palate of, you know, 10 people instead of one or two. So it's, uh, sure. so I've been seeing, uh, where those bottles are, are, are much more desirable because it, it, it's got more than, you know, a, a few people that have t- tried it. See, the thing that makes me worry about that is what if the people who are, who are actually tasting the barrels, who's, de- who's deciding which barrel to pick from, Maybe they have a horrible palate and they pick piss water and, and you're like, oh my gosh, I just, I spent this money on this or went after this pick and the person who, or the people that picked it were, were terrible. They didn't well, know what they were doing. I, I think that most, you know, in, in those situations, you have bourbon clubs doing You never it, had piss or, water? No, I've had piss water, but <laughs> it's never been out of a bottle of Blanton's or out of a bottle of OWA or any of those type of things. Um, the piss water I've had has been, <laughs> been in bottles that uh, my buddies have handed me on a random <laughs> Saturday night where they're like, here, have a drink of this. So, uh, you no, know, I've never had anything that, that was a store pick where I was like, oh, my God, that is just absolutely awful. Um, I, I got to say, this old Cavalier is horseshit. I mean, <laughs> I've tried three or four drinks of it now. It is bad. I mean, I don't now, know if I if it's because I, I had a little bit of le- left what you had in there. I, I think that probably has something to do with it. You did mix the two. Uh, not to say that that's a bad thing, but I, I don't know that I would have put you know uh, one type of bourbon on top of the other while it was still in there. <laughs> I went ahead and dumped out the the everything was in this old Cavalier, and I put some fresh ice in there. It's a little bit better. It's it's not quite what I would want. It's not my favorite, um, but it's it's definitely better after I dumped it out. And, so it's a little less piss watery. <laughs> uh, we're probably not going to get any advertisements from Oak Cavalier at this point because you just said their stuff tastes like piss water. No, it's still bad. I just <laughs> took another drink. It's bad. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. It's, so. it's like I can't get it out of my head that I, I it's sitting here, so I'm supposed to drink it. Yeah. No, but absolutely. It, it, yeah. I, and I switched the, over to the Amador, and, and it, it tastes much just, better. just tastes just fine. So nah. it, it was it was far better than than this. I uh, I appreciate my father buying this for me, but I'm gonna tell him if he ever goes back, don't don't bother. Don't pick it up again. Yeah. All right. It that, was like sixty bucks for that bo- for a three seven five. Yeah, that's a that's a little steep too. So you know, um, speaking of three seven fives, you know, just to kind of go on that side, uh, that that's become an ever more popular. Um, I guess you would call like an experimental brew or mm-hmm. an experimental bottles, things to that nature. Um, one that I opened pretty recently, which I thought was actually really, really good, was the Woodford Three Grain. Have you had a chance to try that? No, I haven't. So we we cracked open a bottle of that um, with a group of the guys from the from the Louisville Bourbon Hounds, and uh, we uh, tried. We don't that like thing. them very much, though. You, you don't like what the Louisville Bourbon Hounds? Why don't you like the Louisville Bourbon Hounds? Because you're a part of them. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we 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 will say nothing negative about the the Bourbon Hounds. I've met a lot of great folks in that. Uh, matter of fact, I'm we were talking teasing. about Q earlier and things like that, and. Uh, uh, like I said, next week's episode, hopefully we'll have Matt on there. Uh, he's an old hound. And then um, we've got a few guys here in southern Indiana. Uh, matter of fact, the, the the evil twin number one and evil twin number two. Kevin and Keith. Kevin and Keith, huge Louisville bourbon hound dudes. They yeah. are 
they're awesome. Those are some guys. Hopefully, we'll get on um, the podcast. One and, of them lives right across the street, so I, I, we I, should be able to get him to come over. We, we we probably should. We we might have to entice him with some bourbon, but uh, but I bet he's also got some some fine stuff that we've not tried. Sure. So uh, you know that I think that's what's coming up in the in the next few episodes is we're going to bring in some more people, um, get some more uh, knowledge and some more backspin on you know what are things out there and things to that nature and. And then really just have the opportunity to talk about where to get these products, what to do, and and because uh, that's really what this is all about, you know, trying bourbon, tasting it, looking for it, and and uh, do you want to give up any secrets that? of where you, where you you get lucky finding some of this? So I I will say a couple of my secrets come from um, I, I do have a couple of liquor store owners that that do that are customers of mine. Um, for those people that don't know me, I I work in the banking industry. And I do have a couple of clients that own liquor stores. So that's kind of been my end to finding a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that isn't necessarily easier to find. Um, and then the other thing is that the hounds are extremely helpful. Um, if you watch the Facebook page and, and look at what they do, you know, when somebody finds a bottle, they'll, they'll always take a picture of it and they'll flash it out there and they'll say, oh, I found this at, you know, the Kroger Tyler Center. Um, you can go pick it up and it's a... Uh, Thirty nine ninety nine a bottle, and there were three left on the shelf. So if you're one of the lucky three people that are able to get in there and get it, then you found a good little solid bottle. Sure. Um, so th- those are two of the ways that um, I've been. I've had a lot of luck is um, just kind of following that group, and then um, having clients that do that type of thing. And then the other thing I always like to do is just hit kind of those off the beaten path places that most people wouldn't go to expect to find bourbon. You know, mm-hmm. not that that. When you think of bourbon drinkers, you kind of think of a certain client base or a certain clientele. And I feel like, you know, if you go to some place that, you know, where 90% of the people are, are, are bill, beer drinkers and things to that nature, you, you probably got a little bit better shot of finding those type of things. I, I found the, the more I get out in the country, um, I, I find some bottles, um, whether it be Madison, Indiana. That's where I got my last bottle of Weather 12. I just happened to be driving through Madison. There was a little small mom and pops liquor store. I got a bottle of Weller 12 in there for fifty four ninety nine. It was a nice little place. It was the only bottle I had. They said, I'll give you 60 bucks for it. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, see, that's what I'm willing to do for you, man. I'm willing to boost up the price a little bit for you. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that, but that's against the law. You're not supposed to do that, right? <laughs> um, that, we do not condone secondary market. <laughs> <laughs> we, we on this happen, show we just happen to kind of see where it is absolutely we just we just know what the prices are but you know we don't we don't really advise people you know going out there and doing those things unless that's just something that you're absolutely dying to do uh every time you take a drink that old kevlar you make a, the most awful face i've ever seen it it's really really bad uh, I, <laughs> stop drinking it <laughs> I'm keeping on thinking what well, maybe if the ice melts a little bit, get a little water into it, a little air, that it's going to taste a little bit better. It just doesn't. It gets I, worse. I thought you were going to hate it because literally you just engulfed a king size, whatchamacallit, before we got back. So I wasn't the only one. Uh, what, are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, my, my wife might listen to this episode. You I highly not, doubt you it. You did not have a whatchamacallit. I did not. Um, so, uh, I, I think that's really what's coming up in the next couple episodes. Like I said, we're going to try to bring in some more people, some, some more point of views and, and see what they're doing to find things. You know, um, I, I, I remember I, I saw, uh, Kevin or Keith, I can't remember which one it was on, uh, one of the websites and we were just they talking do about look bourbon. Alike. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
<laughs> they look alike. They even sound a little alike mm-hmm. to me, but uh, they'll, they'll probably think we're awful by saying this, especially if they oh, hear it. That's um, okay. But it's one of those things that it's a. Uh, they were talking about Old Scout because I've only had a couple of drinks of Old Scout, but I've only had the Old Scout 107. I've not had a lot of the smooth amblers. So uh, I, I told them that was one of the things that, you know, I needed to hang out with them and, and get a couple of samples. So that's hopefully what we've got coming up is a, a remote access, um, some new, introdu- introduce some new people um, to the program that have a different point of view on bourbon and, and maybe they've got some honey holes that they can tell us about. And then um, a little bit more insight onto what's kind of going on. And then hopefully if uh, we can get some approval, maybe we can get out to, you know, Buffalo Trace and ask people about the tour and what they think and, and things to that nature. So um, we appreciate everybody for coming in and or for listening. Um, you know, what we'd like to do is, you know, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at bourbon barrel talk at gmail.com, or you can look us up on Facebook on uh, Bourbon Barrel Talk. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. Um, post some questions, ask us, you know, tell us what you want us to talk about. Um, you know, we, we, we've got enough knowledge here that we can um, talk about just about anything. And, you know, if you want to talk about something outside of bourbon, even let us know that. Maybe we can cover it on one of our other podcasts. Um, or maybe we can, you know, dedicate, you know, three to five minutes on one of these episodes. So, Thanks again for listening. Uh, Bourbon Barrel Talk, Episode 2. Scott and Toby signing off.